Don't you just love it when you can confidently say that someone has your back? Hi, Dave Lee here, and that's the feeling I have with UCARE. Anytime I call them up with a Medicare question, I know without a doubt that a real person will answer, and they will work through my issues no matter how long it takes, and they won't hang up until I completely understand what's going on. Their people and customer service are second to none, and it's why UCARE has people-powered health plans. Don't hesitate to reach out to UCARE for help. Learn more at UCARE.org slash Medicare. This paid endorsement brought to you by UCARE. Today on my first concert says, okay, you tell <laughs> and you tell you tell Bob Dylan, I'm the black Bob Dylan. <laughs> he wouldn't even be around if it wasn't for me. He learned everything from me. Cool guy. And, you know, and I did see it. You know, I saw him later on and it was, a, and he, you know, his movements and stuff. Yeah. Bob is a combination of all these guys. Did you bring it up with Bob? Yes, I did. And he wouldn't disagree with me. Yeah. And Ramblin' Jack's another one. And yeah. Johnny Cash, you know, these people, he, there's a little bit of all of them in him. It's amazing. And I can see it. And Matt can probably see it, too. You know, the leg movement and then this and that. He's yeah. like, he absorbed it all. So Bo Diddley says, put him back. Out of, all right. I'll talk to Bo Diddley at <laughs> 2 in the morning. I hung up on him. <laughs> Today on my first concert. Great to have you back, everybody. Dave Lee here with Davide as we bring two special guests in who have uh, co-authored a book that is fascinating about Bob Dylan. And I'll tell you all about it if you don't know about it here in just a minute. I do want to thank the folks at Minnesota Propane Association for making this podcast possible, Aquarius Home Services, Chan Hassan Dinner Theaters, StarBank.net, that's our bank here at Talk North, and by our good friends at UCARE. Again, you can download these on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Or go to talknorth.com as well. Got a lot of great podcasts lined up for you right there. So Mark Perkansky is with us. And Matt Steichen, authors, music aficionados, and big, I mean devoted Bob Dylan fans. Some great stories here. But before we get to that, Mark, let me start with you. The title of the show is My First Concert. What was it? My First Concert. I've been wanting to tell this story over the air for years (laughs) since I went to the concert. So could I say, could I ask, have you already revealed on a previous show what yours was, just in a nutshell? Yes. Could you say it again real quick, just so we'd know it again or later? Mine was ZZ Top, and the opening act was Savoy Brown, if I remember right. Late, uh, early 70s. It would have been, yeah, probably mid-70s. Very good, yeah. Which place? Where was it at? The Fargo Civic Auditorium. Who didn't go there? <laughs> and, Lots of people. And yeah, you but, went into further detail about this experience because you've never forgot it? Well, that's what started this podcast, because <laughs> yes. you can sit in a room, as you and Matt know, and, uh, and you've talked so much music, uh, and I know, Matt, you've been down to Tulsa, to the Dillon Museum there, and all those sort of things, but uh, when you when you sit down with people you don't know well, maybe, and you just start talking on a first concert, even if you're not a music fan, It comes up it. all the time. I'm not kidding you. It's so yeah. cool, this this concept, because it comes up whether it comes up when you think of maybe who it was you saw. Who's maybe still around or not? And you think of it, and there it is. Who you went with? Who you went the with? The car you is went there in. a terminology for it, like broke your cherry or something with Virgin? You know, like your first concert. <laughs> oh, yeah, why not? <laughs> why not? So, so get to mine. All right. So mine goes like this. Um, I'm a lifelong concert goer. My mother took me to concerts pretty much my whole life, and uh, saw everybody you could think of. You know, I think I grew up in you know '57. I grew up at the best time of music. I believe. Mm-hmm. Saw everybody, and I wouldn't want to change that for anything because we saw the best of them. There was, there was music like that doesn't exist anymore. So my first concert was, uh, 
No one wants to guess, huh? All right. <laughs> and it's not Bob Dylan. It's not Bob Dylan. No, so I'll tell you that Who right now. Who your mother dated, correct? Yes, okay, yes. we'll talk about that but, later. Yep, but it's not Bob Dylan. And, uh, now, I do talk about Bob Dylan's, my first Bob Dylan concert in the book thoroughly. We yep. can talk about that later. But so here I am. I'm going to give it away. I'm going to tell you the date. I'm born in 66. The date was June 18th, 1972. And it was in town here. It was in Alice Cooper. You're getting close. I did see him. Welcome to my nightmare tour. Was about, was yeah. Little I'm boy 18 there. And all that stuff. Love yeah. that. Yes. So, um, okay. So it was in Bloomington. Does that tell you which venue? Well, it was at the Met Center, probably. Yes. Correct. The Metropolitan Sports Center, the yeah. gray building. What did they have? Yeah, the one they for? couldn't tear down. Remember, they tried to demolish it. It wouldn't go down. It had no windows, did it? No. And it Four looked the doors. same on all sides, so you don't remember where you parked, depending upon what you did once you were in the concert. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Now, was it there as long as the, the, the stadium was where the Twins played and the Beatles played in the, in the 60s? The Beatles but played at the at Met Stadium. Next door where the Twins next door. Were they built together? I mean, they're uh, there they were I'm, built together, but they were close to one another. Close to one another. Yeah. So that building is my first experience. It happened there. Okay. And um, went to a lot of concerts there. Um, so it's 1972. I'm six years old. I'm in the, I'm in the, I get my mom. I went with my mom, maybe my older sister. I think she was there. Definitely my mom took me. Okay. We were sitting up a ways in this full house. It holds what? 18,000. Mm-hmm, somewhere okay, in somewhere in there. Little boy. I'm six years old now. Yep. Literally six. And I'm, I felt like I was like in another part of the world far away. Like how close were we allowed to get to the artist? Yeah. <laughs> He looked like a little blip. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm there, and I remember it. And, and no, big like, no big screens. No big screens, yeah. no cell phones, lighters. Yeah, none right? of that stuff. Smoke. Yep, lots of it. The weed. Yeah, which That's is first time you smelled it probably, right? Yeah, maybe. My mom said, <laughs> we'll go to that later with my mom. All right, take okay? it Because <laughs> it was always around. She'd be very happy. She passed away, but she'd be very happy right now to know about this new law. Okay, yeah. her and <laughs> Willie Nelson would be running down the street, you know. Yeah. Hey, we're here. Okay, so... Uh, that smoke I remember and all that. We're in the seats. We had pretty good seats. And okay, so here's who it is. It was a band. You ready? Mm-hmm. The drum roll, please. The Rolling Stones. Oh, come on. With your first concert. Stevie Wonder. And I believe Billy Preston might have opened. I'm not sure on that, but Stevie Wonder definitely. The Stones Touring Party, it was called. 1972 American Tour. Big tour. And I didn't know a thing about the Rolling Stones. I'm six <laughs> years old. How much could I have known? Right. Okay, right? So I think my mom told me this Mick Jagger, Mick Jagger, Mick Jagger. All right, cool. I remember thinking he was the coolest guy on earth. Yeah. What a rock star. What a rock star. He wore the shirt. I think he had the shirt open, which I copied from that day on in my high school <laughs> pictures. I'm wearing a shirt open. I'm a little, you know, and it's yeah. open. Gino it, Vanelli type of shirt. Yes, it was. Yes, exactly. So Mick Jagger, I remember going to Mick Jagger. Loved it. They did a full concert there. Loved it. Left. Okay, so that was my first one. And we're leaving the, the place. Okay, this gets good now. We're leaving Met Center, Met State Center. A fight, riots break out. they tear gassing everybody as they're leaving. Okay. Wow. The, the police, they don't, tear, they don't do that anymore, right? Now no. it's stun gun or shoot you dead. Yeah, yeah. Tear gas. I'm crying. My eyes are tearing away and I'm leave, we're leaving I got to the car and that was my first concert experience <laughs> I was broken in that day so some kind of crowd control thing was going something on something going on and I kind of researched this tour and I saw that they didn't because before I came here I wanted to you know, be sure on these things I, you know, now I'm pretty sure on it but they did 
do some rioting in several other towns around that time. It was probably part of their whole repertoire. And the Stones got in trouble for doing something in hotels or something. Or if you yeah. research that tour, you know, they got some trouble. They're still probably doing today. But God bless them. Mick Jagger just turned 80. Yeah, and he's. I know, I know he said back then they, they hoped the band stayed together maybe 10 years. <laughs> yes. Because yeah. he had that song, What a Drag It Is Getting Old. <laughs> Here he's doing better than all of us, and he's still the ultimate rock star to me. I mean, he's still, they're probably coming back again in the Rolling Stones. So that's yeah. my first concert wow, that's experience. Wow, that's a great first <laughs> Sorry concert. Sorry to drag it out there. That's but... perfect. You kidding me? That's the thing about the first concerts. <laughs> yes. That's your memory. Matt, it, what about it, you? Uh, so mine is much less memorable. It's actually memorable for how not memorable it was because <laughs> it made me know that it wasn't what I was looking for in music. Uh, my sister was a few years older than me and she had reserved a big group of seats at the Rivercade Festival in Sioux City. And there was bigger acts over the weekend, but she had the seats reserved for during the week, like Thursday through Sunday. So she needed people to just come and fill the seats so there weren't <laughs> empty seats up front for all these seats she grabbed. So I ended up having to sit with my friends through Joe Diffie. I don't know. God yeah. rest his soul if you guys remember Country Joe Diffie. Music. Yeah, uh, John Deere Green, Third Rock from the Sun. Welcome to Earth, Third Rock from the Sun. And that was not a memorable experience at all for me, frankly. But mm -hmm. it, it demonstrates kind of the uh, culture that I grew up in in Iowa in the mid-90s. Uh, Bob once said about Hibbing that he grew up as far from the cultural center as you could get in Hibbing. That's how I felt in Northwest <laughs> Iowa. Uh, yeah. It was pre-internet, right. pre-streaming music. Uh, there were four TV stations. Everybody got out on the farms. Yep. Small town, ten miles of cornfields in every direction. Everybody listened to the same two or three radio stations. Uh, country and uh, '80s jock jams, hair metal type music that mm -hmm. kind of lingered well into the '90s in <laughs> Iowa. The culture wasn't moving fast. Uh, I was lucky though because it kind of segues into why Bob Dylan really connected for me because I had a, a brother that was nine years older than me that was into Pearl Jam and Nirvana, more of the stuff that was cool and contemporary in the mm -hmm. early '90s, and and he was a big Beatles fan, still is. Um, so he, I can remember the day I learned who Bob Dylan was because he came to me and he said, uh, "Did you know there's a guy that sings like this?" <laughs> and I said, "Well, that's weird." Like I was seven years old. And I remember the very day it was the summer of 1991 because it was after Bob had performed on the Grammys, played Masters of War, gotten a Lifetime Achievement Award when he was 49, which is insane looking back. Mm -hmm. Who knew he had this second act in him? Uh, but Dana Carvey started impersonating him on Saturday Night Live. So my brother heard that. And so he told me, uh, did you know there's a guy that sings like this? And I said, well, that's weird. Can you play it for me? Because it doesn't make sense that a professional singer that's famous would sing like that. And so he played me Bob Dylan's greatest hits. And it was like nothing I'd ever heard before. And it's uh, it just stuck in my brain. And I listened to it every single day. And so probably for seven, eight years after that, that was my number one go to music was just Bob Dylan's greatest hits. And then probably 1997 or so when I was maybe 13, 14, I heard ring them bells on the radio and then and it caught my attention immediately and I didn't even know who it was. And it was just like, wow, that's a really interesting sound of a song. And this guy's voice is really interesting. And it just grabbed my attention. And then after the song was over, they said that was Bob Dylan playing ring them bells from his 1989 album. Oh, mercy. And I went that Bob Dylan from that 1960s album. He plays music still. That's very interesting. I have to look into this further. Luckily, the Internet had just started getting going so mm -hmm. I could go online and find, you know, what albums this guy made and what, you know, what songs are by him. And so, you know, I started going to the Sioux City Mall once a month if I was lucky to go 
go to Sam Goody. Sure, yeah. Get the yeah. latest I random the feeling. I get the it. latest yeah. random CD. I think it was the last generation of people that had to like build their music collection that way. So over the course of the next couple of years, you know, once a month I'd get a new Bob Dylan album. And uh yeah, that's how a young kid in Northwest Iowa became the, you know, the kid known as the the one that liked Bob Dylan. Because yeah. no no one else listened to contemporary music at all. And no one listened to Bob Dylan, certainly. So yeah, that's how I got started down that road. Yeah, now you're a well-known researcher on Bob Dylan, particularly in Minnesota, which leads us to the book Bob Dylan in Minnesota. Mark and Tim are with us. I want to, or, or Mark and Matt rather, and I want to talk about that book when we come back in just a second here on my first concert and a lot of great stories to come. So hang on here. Hey, by the way, uh, a sizzling August. We've had it. I don't want to let the heat overwhelm you this summer, even this fall. So Aquarius Home Services right now has an unbeatable deal where you can get an incredible $98 off any AC repair. So ask them about that. The other thing I would do that I've done consistently with these guys at Aquarius Home Services is improve your indoor air quality like never before. This summer, we've had all that air quality issues with the fire, forest fires from Canada and all sorts of things. But they can get you up to $400 off whole home air purification systems. I did it, I, I have allergies. So if allergies or coughing or congestion or, are, are just a struggle for you, it might be time for one of these systems and say goodbye to the contaminants like dust and dirt, pollen, dander, bacteria. We can go on, smoke that we've had, the dust, mice. Uh, there's much more as you are well aware, I'm sure. But I know Aquarius believes in earning the right to be recommended and I wouldn't tell you about them unless I've been working with them for over two decades now at least. I, know, I remember when Jeff started the business years ago. They're just a click away at AquariusHomeServices.com or in the AquariusHomeServices.com studio. We are here with Mark Perkansky. We are here with Matt Steich, and they've authored a book called Bob Dylan in Minnesota. So before we get to the book, Mark, your first Bob Dylan concert. That's, I'll always say, that's in the book. <laughs> Go buy the book. No, I Yeah, buy the book. The book's no, fascinating. It's uh, very well documented in the book. My first concert with Bob Dylan. I got a whole, uh, it's in, I wrote the afterword. And it's in there, and uh, it took place. You want to know the my first Bob Dylan concert story? Okay, it's a big one. <laughs> uh, it was at Halloween, 1978, at the St. Paul Civic Center. I was 12. I'd always wanted to see him. You know, I didn't meet him that day, but I wanted never saw him in concert professionally. He didn't play here since I was born. He played a show at uh, his professional career, which is all documented in the book. Every show he did in Minnesota is in the book. About 40 shows through the his career. And he had only been here in 65 down the street from where we are here in uh, a place called the uh, Convention Center was with the band, the Hawks. He played there. And I wasn't born yet. That was his first professional concert. Ronnie Don Hawkins? Uh, well, it was the Hawks band. Oh. Ronnie Hawkins gave him the band and they were known as the Hawks. But I don't know if they were called the band yet when they played at that uh, down the street. Their tickets were $3. I talk about that in the book. <laughs> you get to see the band with opening. And then they did half electric, half acoustic. I, I, there is documentation of it and all that. And apparently he went all right. And then Bob went all over the town touring it and, and, and went to different places and whatnot. And um, my family owned a nightclub down the street from here too called the Flame Cafe. And he had stopped in there. He knew about that. And um, so I wasn't born to turn that concert. So here I am born and I'm waiting for him to play here. He, he, uh, the Blood on the Tracks tour did not have a tour. The, the Rolling Thunder Review didn't come anywhere near here. And his first professional show after that was in uh, St. Paul. And I went there with my mom and my sister. And um, we ended up uh, second row center. And uh, there's a nice picture of us in the book, my mom and Bob and, and, and myself backstage there. 
he held up the show a half hour. We went back to t- talk to him. He pulled us back. My mom was dressed like C-3PO in uh, Star Wars. She had bright gold on, okay? And then she was a dramatic woman jewelry and whatnot. Yeah. So we're back there, and he's and he said, they'll wait all night. The show can wait all night. Uh, well, let's just hang out a while. I don't know if he was scared to go on or whatnot. Anyhow, so uh, the, so you'll see in the, the picture, there's a clock there, and it's 8.10. He's supposed to go on at 8. I think he went on at 8.40. Anyhow, I was, I was in awe of the concert and just finally see him live, and um, it was a great show. And um, his mother was there and family was there because it was like a homecoming. They actually called it a homecoming. Got great reviews. Were they with the family who's still living in Hibbing? Uh, Bob's family. Uh, Beatty might have been living. And uh, she might have. She, yeah. She lived in St. Paul by that point. Yeah, did she at uh, St. So. Paul? Yeah, so that she came yeah. from St. Paul at that time. Yeah, she had her first time. Bob's dad, father died and she had remarried to a man from St. Paul. Oh, okay. And uh, so she was living. Yeah, so she came and nice, wonderful, nice lady. One of a kind. And anyhow, the show was great. He did do an extra encore, which I believe could have been for my mom. I'll be your baby tonight. Oh, wow. No, I did it a couple times that tour, but I don't know. It was an extended encore. The show ran nearly three hours. And to this day, it beats my Rolling Stones <laughs> first concert sure. experience just because of, you know, I knew more about Bob hearing, listening to him. And, and I saw many shows after that, just about all of them in Minnesota. But, uh, and he came here, now he's touring more often, and he would come here every few years. But yeah. then it was 78, St. Paul, 86, Metrodome, nothing in between that, the Rubber Dome wow. show. Long time. And then it would be 90s, till he st- late 80s, till he started coming every year. Those are all in the book and all that. But that first concert, I, that goes down in history, is my favorite concert of all time. It'll be hard to beat that one. i got to ask you about your mom and Bob Dylan yeah. in a second. Yeah. But, Matt, your first Dylan concert. Uh, yeah, so it was... Uh... April 1st of 2000 in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, uh, at a basketball arena. My brother had seen him play with Paul Simon here the year before when he was in college. So he came home for the summer and was like, you know, Bob Dylan still plays concerts and they're great. And I, so I kept my eye on the tour schedule and he announced it, you know, that spring, April 2000 in Sioux Falls, about an hour from where I grew up. Uh, so I brought the whole, my whole family, my, my brothers and sisters and my parents and, uh, the thing was, I wasn't an expert on buying tickets yet, so I didn't know what general admission meant. So I just grabbed six seats together, and it ended up being in the upper deck, in the back, in the corner. And and so I didn't know all of his songs yet either, so I was like, I was happy to see him, and I thought it was good. And, uh, you know, it, it kind of felt like, you know, you're at a, a party with your friends, and you're having a good time, but then they've got, like, an inside joke or reference that they get. Because yeah, he would play yeah. a song I didn't recognize. Yeah. And then at a certain line, everyone would cheer. But like, I didn't know why they were cheering. Mm. So it made me think, well, I need to go to more shows to get the songs I know. I need to learn more of his music and I need to get closer seats. So, uh, you know, that that was the the takeaways for me. But he played Gates of Eden and Country Pie, which are songs I'd never gotten to see ever again. Uh, so I got those two in my first show. Um, you know, I, it was, you know, just OK. It was some, not something I ever thought would like blossom into something that would be you know, a huge part of my life and I'd be yeah. recording a podcast and writing about him, writing about him and, you know, seeing him twice a year for the next 20 years, uh, taking the whole family. Yeah. With, see, well, that, and you, you brought boys. up a really interesting thing about concerts. A lot of concerts, we talk about my first concert, one with dad or mom or brothers or sisters. It's so that really is a family thing in many, many cases. Who did Although, you go to the ZZ Top one with? Well, my parents didn't come to that one. Okay. <laughs> my dad sang. He was a vocalist, played pretty much every instrument. And that wasn't real music to, to Pa. And he let me know that in, in you know, in a very uh, turt comment. But, yeah, so, the, I, yeah, I was just going with my buddy who's 
And I didn't know anything about him. He said, I had been working at the bean plant all day. And he picked me up at the end of the ship, brought me some clean clothes. And away we drove about nice. an hour and a half later, we were at the concert. Yes. And that's where I first whiffed the now legal cannabis here in the state of Minnesota. Uh, let me ask you about the relationship, Mark. Yes. When I come back. Okay. About your mom, because you okay. talk about that, and you uh, talked yes, about the yes, picture, so yes. I want to relate. Okay. I want to uh, okay. talk about that. We've got Matt Steichen, Mark Perkansky, Bob Dylan in Minnesota. Get the book; it's available now. It is so good and so interesting, and of course, uh, it gives you an opportunity to learn a lot about this guy, which I think many have labeled as private, but there's a lot of stuff in there that you'll find out, and uh, Matt will tell you as well that uh, D- Dylan likes Minnesota. I think for some reason, at some point in his career, people thought hey, he didn't like Minnesota. He You've proven that he does. So we'll talk about that in a minute. See, I want to talk about something that the Minnesota likes as well, and that's uh, the Chanhassen Dinner Theater. We're chatting with Michael Brindisi, who's a creative artistic director out there. And Michael grew up in Philadelphia, and I've told this before, and he's told this before, that he was, in, when you see the Jersey Boys, which is on the main stage now, Michael was originally, as a kid, he was one of those kids. He was under streetlights in Philadelphia, where he grew up, singing with his buddies a cappella out in the streets. And now when he has done Jersey Boys, he's done a lot of things. This one has taken on a special turn because this is kind of Michael's life. Although it's about the Four Seasons in Frankie Valley, it's 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 unbelievable. You may recall when it came out on Broadway, it just was the thing to see. Well, this is spectacular, and you can see all the reviews. You don't have to take my word for it. So that's on the main stage, but I get tickets now for that. Also, over on the concert stage, they have so many great concerts going on. We were just talking with Mary Jane Alm a few weeks ago on her 50th anniversary. And she'll be back for the Rumors and Dreams, the music of Fleetwood Mac with, with um, Pamela McNeil and that band on Wednesday through Saturday, August 23rd through 26th. But they're also doing the, later they'll be doing the music of John Denver. They've got all sorts of uh, shows coming up. One that's going to be interesting is the songs about uh, Led Zeppelin. It's called The Song Remains the Same. And that's a tribute to Led Zeppelin's music. They got a tribute to the U2 uh, Vertigo album. They have a Joe Cocker tribute coming up in September. They have an Eagles tribute. That show is sells out like that, so I'd get those tickets right away. Music of Patsy Cline. So pretty much any kind of genre you like, they have it. I love the acoustics in that theater. I We really enjoy going over there. So go to ChanhassenDT.com. Learn about it, and then also check out the, the Comedy Club and also check out the restaurant over there, Brindisi's Pub. It's, a great, it's really a f- super night out. ChanhassenDT.com. Mark Perkansky, Matt Steichen have authored a book called Bob Dylan in Minnesota. There are guests. There's so much to talk about. I feel like I'm talking faster today because I want to get to everything. But let's uh, go back. You mentioned Mom. Uh, Bob's taking extra time just to hang out with you guys and Mom. And So what's the yeah. deal there? What happened? Well, Mark? yeah, it's interesting you say talk faster and all that. When I was first asked to write this uh, by the, the – this book is co-authored by four people mm-hmm. and, and the main author – uh, KG Miles out of the UK. He contacted us, and uh, and he there was, he did two other books first, one in London, travel log kind of guide, and and then one in the Big Apple. I knew he'd be doing one on Minnesota. It had to happen, and and fi- finally it did. And then he contacted me and contacted Matt, and that's how we got asked to do this. But I thought I had to write kind of uh, everything too and get everything in there. And these these are tales, so they're short subjects. So I'm having tr- so he asked me to. Once I figured out he wanted me to write and not just be a consultant, I started writing. And my mother was very sick at the time. This is going back to last uh, year, early last year. And uh, so he said, would you mind writing a, a troubadour tale? And I said, OK. So I didn't know if I should write something. You know, I have personal stories and I have what maybe they want 
professional stories or more more public stories. Because you know Bob. Yes, a lot, my, most of my whole life. Yeah, so so I didn't know which route to take, and I had trouble writing. So I finally, my mom was very sick, about ready to to go, you know. And I told her I was I kind of me in London. I'm, and my mom has never talked to the press about anything ever about Bob. Had no interest. Didn't, doesn't even never even worked the internet. Yeah, and Bob's not a big internet guy either. Believe it or not, he's. Well, oh, I believe that. He, yeah, he doesn't. You know, like people think so. Uh, so she never thought about that. So here she is sick and, you know, she always wanted to know Bob if he comes over, you know, and, and she didn't feel good. She said, don't let him in. If he comes over, I don't look good. <laughs> no, I said, he, well, he don't look so, you know, the same. He's, everyone's getting older. Okay. Yeah. Well, just don't let him in. If he comes over and it was late, you know, a few years before yeah, she passed. She may so. be the only person that didn't want yeah, Bob Dylan yeah. to come in the house. Yeah, he, yeah. he really liked, he thought she was really dramatic lady, you know, yeah. and very interesting. And so anyway, so I thought, okay, now I was told, I told my mom about a week before she passed, you know, a guy kind of me and I'm going to write some stories. She says, what are you going to write about? I said, I'm going to write about you because I thought, you know, what, why take these stories to the grave? Who's, yeah. you know. Her fans. Who has a better connection? Yeah, her family and friends would know about it through Minnesota, but I had this chance to talk about it. So I mixed my part with parts about my mom's personal stories. So I went back and I then I highlighted, uh, I figured, I okay, I don't have to tell everything. I could highlight maybe a certain part of a, something cool that happened. So I picked his Infidels album from 1983 because it was heavily influenced. He was around. He wrote the songs here. He was, the album came out and he was here a lot. You know, he just spent a lot of time in Minnesota. He really likes it here. And and so I picked that album because there, there's a song on there I do believe was written for her on the album and a painting on the back cover and whatnot. So I, so I wrote a little bit about that and things that they did. And, and that's so uh, she, she knew him many years, you know, they just good friends. And um, and we always see her from time to time. You know, most of the stuff happened in, in Minnesota. Right. And, you know, I'd go on tours and stuff. We'd all go on tours and he'd. He said, there you are, Marilyn. Her name is Marilyn. There you are in the front row. She loved to be in front row. Matt was up in the front with her at one point. <laughs> and right? Yeah. And she goes, uh, you'll be up in the front row, you and your whole family. And she liked to, it was a family experience. We went on this whole Tom Petty tour. You know, we did 26 shows. Oh, wow. Every night, the whole family. And then we're there, my sisters, I have two sisters. So we went and then, and he, so he thought just to see her in the front row, you know, and, 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 and they'd hang out, you know, and she would. She was always, they both were doing other things with their lives. Right, <laughs> I don't have right. to get into that at this, time, this point. But, um, but they always stayed in touch. They never, you know, they had a certain kind of relationship that was different yeah. than most. And, you know, and, and a good one. A good one. Yes. So I put that in the book. Then I put a chapter about me in the book doing magic because I was a professional magician for 15. Magic Mark? Mag well, it was Marcusly Magnificent. Yeah. Child magician. <laughs> I performed for Prince when I was, I told the story on our uh, last book signing. Okay, well, you, you go to Prince now. Let, oh, me, well, let I, me interrupt <laughs> you. Because, and, and Davide's worked with a lot of the folks that worked with Prince, and, yep. and I've chatted with a lot of them. But I got a kick out of your story because it involves your sister, who apparently was quite striking. Yes. And, and, and I'll let you finish it, but I love this story. Well, we so I hung out with Prince, and, and uh, I, I, um, I did a magic show at his Purple Around the World in a Day party. And long story short, Bob wanted to record with Prince. It didn't happen. It's too bad that it didn't happen, but they would have made amazing music together. But I performed my, so he walks over and he looks at my sister. It was like two in the morning. I was doing a show there. It was all different kinds of other things. Apollonia was there yeah. and everything. He walks over, he looks at me, her, stared her down, glanced at me and walked away. <laughs> I don't, saw you. I don't think yeah. he gave a, you know, I don't want to <laughs> say it. Rats, that's <laughs> about me. And this, yeah. But I was there, and I was hired by his manager, Alan Leeds, and you know, he gave out tambourines and all that. So we had Alan's mom, brother on the podcast not long ago. Yes, 
Yes, you did. That's Eric, right. Yeah. Yes. So she took me to all these shows. You know, I got a good Bo Diddley one, if you want. I would love, Bo, are you kidding me? Bo Diddley. <laughs> you know, we went, she went to those late night Paisley Park concerts. I never. Oh, yeah, they were late. I, I'm not a late night guy. I couldn't stay up late enough to go to them. Yeah. I fell asleep always. So, and then she saw Springsteen and the Grammys. So I come on, we're going to see him on the Grammys. She ends up at an after party on the TV. And uh, there, there she is. So, but the Bo Diddley one is great because uh, Bo Diddley, she met him several times. This goes back to the Kaboo 70s, maybe. Yep. And he, she met him. She met, always met him all. We always ended up backstage. And I did, you know, magic shows for the Who and on and on. So, and so Bo Diddley is the coolest guy, and he talked to her. And I, this was one, in, you know, one in the morning. She and I didn't go. She puts, calls my house, puts him on the phone. He goes, Mark. She goes, she goes, Mark. I want you to talk to Bo Diddley. You like him? Here he is. <laughs> so he gets on the phone. He goes, Hey, Mark, Bo Diddley. And I go, Come on, I'm dead sleeping. Sound asleep. I don't know. I must be, you know, eighteen. <laughs> I go, Ma, come on, put 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 my mother back on. You're you're fucking with me here. That's not Bo Diddley. Okay, you're not I'm Bo Diddley, he says. Okay, you tell and you tell you tell Bob Dylan I'm the black Bob Dylan. <laughs> he wouldn't even be around if it wasn't for me. He learned everything from me. Cool guy. And, you know, and I did see it. You know, I saw him later on and it was a, and he, you know, his movements and stuff. Yeah. Bob is a combination of all these guys. Did you bring it up with Bob? Yes, I did. And he wouldn't disagree with me. Yeah. And Ramblin' Jack's another one, and yeah. Johnny Cash. You know, these people, he, there's a little bit of all of them in him. It's amazing. And I can see it, and Matt can probably see it, too. You know, the leg movement, and then this and that. He's yeah. like, he, he absorbed it all. So Bo Diddley says, put him back. I said, all right, talk to Bo Diddley. At 2 in the morning, I hung up on him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on. I went back to bed, and she came home, and I, you, was that him? Yes, that was Bo Diddley you were talking to. You hung up on him. <laughs> Well, one of the few that, that Bo Diddley probably tells that story, told that story. Yeah. Uh, Matt, let me ask you about that, because you were talking about the concert you went to and the music was, you know, your, the first Dylan concert. Uh, you were going to learn to get into it a little bit. I remember when I bought the Nashville Skyline album and I thought I, I just loved it. You know, a girl from the North Country with him and, and you mentioned Johnny Cash, you made me think of this. But I remember reading, you know, then you had to go down to the drugstore where I lived and get the magazines, the music maker, and see what people are writing about it. And it didn't get rave reviews. And I just loved that album. I, and then it was great to hear it in that movie uh, with Bradley Cooper. Uh, I can't think of the Philadelphia Eagle football. Uh, Silver Linings Playbook. There you go. Thank you. But anyway, so uh, let me ask you about your favorite Dylan album. Among, no, among the favorites. Or is there a favorite? Uh, I would probably say street legal most days. Okay. Uh, and I, I maybe lately planet waves is one I've really been focusing on because of the connections that ha that has to Minnesota as well, which is one of the main things that I talk about in the book. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, the ways that Minnesota growing up here has influenced Bob Dylan and kind of the way that growing up here shaped his imagination and who he is as a person. And so, you know, in writing my, uh, chapter for the book, I, you know, really delved deep into Planet Waves for about a year straight um, and really kind of developed a new appreciation for that album. And, you know, when I came to Minnesota, I'd always heard, you know, Minnesota has like this love-hate relationship with Bob Dylan and some people don't really like him. And I always thought that was so strange and fascinating because like I've been to Hannibal, Missouri, and they celebrate Mark Twain and Liverpool celebrates the Beatles. So why doesn't Minnesota celebrate Bob Dylan more? Um, so that's kind of the thing that I wanted to look into for the book a lot. And I would say anyone who thinks that Minnesota hasn't impacted Bob Dylan or that he hasn't referenced it in his work should just listen to Planet Waves because there uh, are so many uh, lyrics and, you know, attitudes. It's just 
you can you hear Minnesota coming out of that album so heavily. So that's really what I've been listening to a lot lately. And your research, you, you've proven to people that Bob Dylan likes Minnesota. Yeah, well, I think... And he mentions North Dakota. Yeah, it's hard to shake... You know, I work in marketing, and it's hard to shake people's perceptions sometimes. Right. And so if they've grown up thinking, oh, Bob Dylan doesn't like Minnesota, then it's hard to change that attitude. But I have a good feeling that a lot of those people haven't gone and read hundreds of Bob Dylan interviews like I have. So that's kind of what I did for the book is uh, look into the archive of everything Bob Dylan's talked about. And, you know, people are always trying to get through that Bob Dylan mystique. Who's the real Bob Dylan? You know, get past all that stuff. And the real Bob Dylan is in this book. And the real Bob Dylan is the Minnesota Bob Dylan, the, the brother, the father, the son, uh, the guy that just relaxes and has a good time with his friends. And so that's the Bob Dylan that comes through in this book really well. Um, and I think that's the part of the story that a lot of people don't know. And and when he talks about Minnesota in interviews, he doesn't give those like sly, sarcastic answers like he does with a lot of other topics. Like if you asked him, what's this song about? He's not going to want to answer that question. Right. But if you ask him about Bo Diddley or you ask him about Johnny Cash or if you ask him about Minnesota, he's always been very straightforward in what that's meant to him. Highway 61 Revisited. Is that because of Highway 61 run along the east side of the state of Minnesota? Yeah, certainly. Yeah, he said in Chronicles that uh, that blues highway that runs from Duluth to New Orleans has always been in his blood and that he's always felt close to it and that he that highway could take him anywhere. And the way that his music ties in with American Roots music and the blues, yeah. there's no doubt that that connection means a lot to him. So like a Rolling Stone, Rolling Stone, Minnesota is just off of Highway 61 down near Winona. Did that have any influence in that song? Do you think? I mean, the song is not about Rolling Stone, That's Minnesota. The it's it's Rolling Stone, Minnesota. It's right off Highway sixty one. Why didn't we get? It's that not on sixty one. It's just <laughs> it's just a few miles west of Highway sixty one, but it's right down by Winona. So when I'm driving sixty one and I saw Rolling Stone, Minnesota, I go, God, I wonder if Bob Dylan got inspired by. Seeing Rolling Stone, Minnesota. I don't know. That's you not, would know. That's would one know. I've absolutely never, never heard, heard before. We would tell you. Well, reprint. Reprint. That's that's from the deep recesses I mean, of my weird mind and how it functions. That's only me. But as I'm driving, <laughs> that's the thought I had. I thought, I'll be damned. I didn't think of this. I, I, I'm sure he's going to. He would say, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. No, I go a couple <laughs> of times in my chapter i go into kind of reckless speculation yeah. you know it's mostly straightforward uh essay stuff but like uh looking at like uh on the album new morning he sings brighton girls are like the moon and so i looked into all the different places in minnesota where there's a brighton mm -hmm. and it turns out that his this girl he had a crush on in high school barbara hewitt lived in new brighton so it's things like Great that research or you know the walls of red wing Highway 61, you know, there's things like that uh, scattered throughout his music. So if, if you know Minnesota and you know Bob Dylan, you can pick him out a lot Well, easier. I think if he's talking about the walls of Red Wing, Highway 61, then I'm thinking, okay, all he had to do is go a few miles further south, and he's going to see the sign that says Rolling Stone this way. So, you know. They're still trying to figure out who named the magazine. Now Rolling Stone magazine. It's come from a, 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 the, the Rolling Stones or a, the, a Bo, the what's the uh, song, Rolling Stone, Manish, Boy, Ro, Bo, uh, Muddy Waters? Or whoever, somebody wrote money on my T-shirt. Now they got to know it could be a town where you're saying. <laughs> I don't know. I just you know. That's, uh, I've always. If anybody would know, I thought you two. We guys never would heard know. that, Dave. So you I really got a good one. <laughs> you know, republish it. We yeah. need to print. All right. Very Mark, cool. Mark Perkansky and Matt Steichen are with us. They're authors of Bob Dylan, Minnesota. It's a great book. I hope you've heard about it. If you haven't, 
find out about it. It's a great read, and it's uh, and I haven't had a chance to read the book yet. I just got it, so I'm going to go. I guarantee you I'll be reading it, and I, I thought I heard you say once, somewhere along the line, Mark, that it'll take you two to three hours if you're focused on the book to read it, but your yeah. research in this is really fun, just interesting. Thank you. Uh, we're coming back with more here in just a, a second. I would say if you're thinking about expanding your business or you're going to do some repairs at home this year, Star Bank, they're great. They're a Minnesota bank. We're talking about all things Minnesota here today. And, boy, they started out in rural Minnesota, one bank, same family. Now they have 10 locations, including here in the metro, second to none. Uh, Home equity line of credit, thinking about that? They can do that. Home mortgage, they can do that. Business loan, ag operating, that's how they started. Equipment loans. A camper, a lot of people do an RV thing now. They'll help you out with all that. But I'd encourage you to get your loan needs met at Star Bank. No red tape, really. It's pretty quick. It's family-oriented. They know how it works with your family. By the way, you won't go into, the, you won't go into an automated phone response. They'll answer it. So that might catch you off guard. Not quite like Bo Diddley calling you at 2 in the morning, but a little bit when they answer the phone, you get, oh, excuse me, I didn't realize there was a live person. And when you go in the branches, it's a big deal to them to get to know you, I think, what happens is you get to know them after you leave the bank. Starbank.net. They're really fun to deal with. They're good at what they do. Loans are subject to a loan application or approval. Member FDIC and equal housing lender. All right, we're talking with uh, Matt and Mark here on uh, Bob Dylan and Minnesota's The Book. Uh, your, uh, the knowledge these two have is I, I, I haven't quite seen it like this. I did want to bring up one thing and ask you about it because you would know, and I've always wanted to ask someone that would know, Elston Gunn. What do you know about Elston Gunn? And I believe it had three ends. Two or three ends. Yeah, at least two, maybe <laughs> three. I'm not sure. But but that was that was um, his one of his names before he was Bob Dylan, right? Yes. And it can ties into Bobby B. Right. Yep. Okay, so here's the story but we're talking about. I don't know too much. <laughs> Boy, I know you guys. You know everything. He used it as an alias on some albums, didn't he? He used a few different uh, blind boy grunts, a, a bunch of different aliases. Oh, yeah, who hasn't used yeah, that one? Sergei yeah. Petrov, Jack Frost. <laughs> well, so the story I know from a friend of mine, so when Buddy Holly didn't make the Moorhead, Minnesota concert uh, and the tragedy, the concert went on in 59. He was yep. coming here? It he was coming to Moorhead? He, he was going from Storm Lake. From, uh, from, from Clear Lake. Clear Lake, rather. To Moorhead. To yeah. Moorhead, and that's, where the, that's when the crash happened. Okay. And Waylon Jennings, you know, the infamous story where he decided that he was going to drive with the yeah. guys. And yes. Anyway, um, so the concert went on as scheduled on a very difficult atmosphere. The guys that ended up playing in that, uh, I think Dion was there and some others. I don't know at all. But I do know that Bobby V, that's where Bobby made it big. And there was another guy named, his band was called Terry Lee and the Poor Boys. So Terry Lee and Bobby V were kind of the guys in the Fargo-Moorhead area for rock and roll at that time. And uh, Terry Lee, whose real name is Bobby Becker, who's still in Fargo, which would be a great conversation with, for you guys. But when when Elston Gunn came to Fargo, Bobby, uh, well, Terry Lee and the play, or Poor Boys needed a keyboard player. And there was this guy with kind of the afro hair, kind of ahead of his time, and just different from everybody slicking it back. At this. this is what Bobby told us on one of these podcasts is, and then he was Elston Gunn, and he played keyboards. He said, we needed a keyboard guy. So he played with us one or two nights, whatever it was. And then then um, Bobby V needed a keyboard player. So my Terry Lee, who, that was his pseudonym, real name Bobby Becker, he, 
He told, hey, I got this keyboard guy. We just, we don't need him. We just needed him for that night, blah, 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 whatever. And that's where Bobby V and Dylan met. Although I've read in stories that it was at a record store. The research says that he met Bobby V. Anyway, you guys would know more about this than I, but this is my buddy, uh, Bobby. And what's interesting is that Greatest Hits album was the first album my brothers had, and that's the first album I heard, too, of Bobby Dylan, which I just loved and played and played. But so Bobby Becker then was a a DJ part-time on Sundays when he wasn't his rock and roll band or Saturdays or whatever you had to fill in, and you'd stack your albums up against the wall. And on the walls he stacked them, he's going through them, and he, he sees... Elston Gunn on the cover of the album. And he goes, <laughs> Bob Dylan? <laughs> that ain't he Elston, had no clue. That ain't Elston Gunn. Yeah, that ain't Elston Gunn. But, Who the hell is Elston Gunn? Well, this conversation with Mark Perkansky and Matt Steichen has been so fun, and there's so much more to discuss that we're going to make them come back next week with more on Bob Dylan in Minnesota. They have so many things to tell you. We're looking forward to that. And our thanks today to Minnesota Propane Association for making the show possible. Aquarius Home Services, by you care by the Chanhassen Dinner Theater and by Starbank.net. This is Dave with Davide. Download everything at Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, or go to talknorth.com. We have a lot of great podcasts on there as well. Until then, we'll see you again next week as we bring Mark and Matt back. <laughs>